All right, welcome to the show, Cody. This is the first episode of the Punch Out Podcast, baby. Welcome to happy to have you on board here. Oh yeah, thank you for having me. It's a it's an honor. It, it, you're the first guest, so you're the first uh, recurring guest too, because I'm gonna make you come back on this thing, right. and hopefully this first episode goes well to where uh, we we continue this. So you're the first you're the first official guest, so you should feel honored. Uh, Minnesota Twins prospect. 13th round draft pick. I, the list goes on and on. You got all kinds of trophies back behind you on, on the video. So there's a whole bunch of stuff we could talk to you about. But um, even though we're in the same state, I figured we could have done this in person. But the whole virus situation, you got any updates on when you're going back or, or what the Twins want from you? Uh, man, I haven't heard a word, to be honest. Uh, yeah, it's just kind of just hang out and get your work in at home. Try to do as much as you can. And hopefully they'll get back to us pretty soon. I mean, there's been a few things going on with the MLB, talking about them splitting up, going to Arizona, going to Florida, and going to their spring facilities. But uh, for the minor leaguers, haven't really heard much for for a plan or when we're going to get out there. Yeah. So, what was your what was your like first impression of the of the spring training? Because this was your first year down there at the complex, and like I'm pretty sure. Minnesota's connected with the Red Sox, right? So have you ever had you ever been down there before? What was that kind of like? Um, no, it was it was awesome. I had gone there right right when I got drafted. I went there for about a week. And then after that we headed out I headed out to E Town, uh Elizabeth and Twins, and then went there for the season, came went down for a couple of camps throughout the offseason in Fort Myers. But uh yeah, it's just a it's a great facility. Um probably one of the tops in the league for sure. Um they keep us there. Uh, we got dorms there that we stay in and we work out, get all of our work in at one little facility. And yeah, it's, it's a pretty nice place. That's pretty sweet. I, I, I was always curious, you know, um, I never made it down because I was a big Red Sox fan growing up, of course. So uh, Red Sox were always in Fort Myers and they got the monster out in left field. Do you guys have like something uh, specific at your, you know, spring training place that's like target field out in Minnesota or anything like that? Um, nothing specific, but uh, the the high A fields right there, the uh, Fort Myers uh, Mighty Muscles. I uh, just changed that name. Uh, Wait, just recently. what was that? <laughs> the, the Mighty the Mighty Muscles. That's the new name. So we used to, it used to be the Miracle, but um, yeah, the high A parks right there. Pretty nice place overall. That's where the spring training team plays their games, where the MLB team plays. Yeah, man, that's pretty sweet though. What um, those camps that you went to, like, was that uh, pitcher only, or what was that like? Um, they split them up between the pitchers and the position players. It was like a – one was a strength camp. And then – well, I went to two strength camps for like a week at a time. They were just trying to like check up on us throughout the offseason, just see if we're getting our work in, like how much progress we've made and stuff like that. But um, then I went down in January. Um, they, had a, they had a velo camp, a command camp, and a pitch design camp. Um, I couldn't be in any of the three just because I had like a little setback with my arm, but uh, we're doing like rehab and stuff. I was going to be in the velo camp one, but uh, never ended up going there. Pro- probably needed the velo camp, but uh, it's, it's all good. The velo camp, everybody needs that. I feel like these oh, days, yeah. if you don't have 95, then you, you're in the camp. Right. There's, there's some guys that were up to like 95 last year that were still in the velo camp. And I'm like, well, how do you, how do you get out of it? Like you got to throw a hundred to get out of it. Yeah. Right. <laughs> not, not very many people can do that. So. Did they have anything like uh, that you can't give away their secrets, of course, of how to build velo, but uh, 
did they have anything that you were kind of looking forward to? I'm, I'm guessing they had driveline stuff, you know, weighted balls, that sort of thing. Did you get any secrets you can share? Um, yeah, we're not like, we're not like all in on driveline stuff. Um, we're like, we're big on plyos, just throwing plyos to warm up and not necessarily trying to like throw plyos as hard as you can, like throw a six ounce and like an underweight ball, like a four ounce as hard as you can. We're not like big on that. We're big on throwing just plyos to warm up as opposed to, like really using them to gain below. Yeah. So what's um what does a typical like plyo warm up look like? Or, you know, do you do you kind of scale it down from, you know, the big four pound ball all the way down to a, a five ounce baseball or or kind of what's what's a typical, you know, plyo warm up that somebody could implement in their routine? Yeah, um we start with the we start with the heaviest one. We start with a two pound, uh like that green that green tap ball. We use that, do reverse throws with that. Up against up against our plyo wall, and yeah, we scale it down as we go. So we go from the 32 ounce to the 21 to the 14, and then down to the seven for warmups. We throw them all at about 70% effort. Nothing like too much. Not like pulling down. Like we have like a little box kind of thing that we throw it into. So yeah. it's not like it's not like down like where like a catcher would be. It's kind of like up towards our face where we would throw. Almost and, like uh, if you're playing catch, right? Like, um, yeah, well, up, yeah, up against. So it's basically like you're playing catch, just like trying to get like maybe a little bit of air under it, but basically trying to throw it on a line for the most part. But um, yeah, we do like like a lot of scap activation kind of stuff with like the 21 ounce ball and the 14 ounce. Nice. What um, you got a little space to to demo one of the the scap activations? Yeah, I think I got a I got a little bit of space here. You've got so many trophies there that you know. You yeah, can't, I don't. You can't. Yeah, really these are all from when I was like ten years old. So there's nothing, nothing recent up here. Yeah, just, back in the, just wait till like you get the trophy back there. Yeah. You'll be. Actually, I can probably, I can probably sit down for this. But like, we have like a 21 ounce ball, so we start with it right here and just bring our scat back as as far as you can, and then lift up and throw right into the wall. Like nothing. Like we're not going through a full throwing motion. You're trying to keep like a really short arm path as you do this. That's another thing we do. We try to like kind of correct our arm path with the plyos as opposed to like being really long, being really long with it because that could lead to injuries and, and a heartbeat just really fast. But um, yeah, so we try to keep a short arm action throughout the whole thing. Yeah, and the, the scab just pull back and then up and throw. That's pretty good. I, I, I would even try that one today. That sounds, sounds pretty good. Oh, yeah. Good. I oh, it definitely works anything. to warm up for sure. That's one of the only ways you can really warm up the scap, in my opinion, just like using like a, a slightly heavy ball and just trying to activate it that way. I like that. I like that. And uh, the biggest thing that's, that I heard one time with, you know, cleaning up arm action and, and using weighted balls to, to shorten up arm path and stuff is like, if you were going to throw a 10 pound dumbbell, I'm pretty sure you wouldn't have a super long arm no. to try to... You're gonna take that thing right here and throw it. Like you're not gonna right. let it. Yeah, you're gonna be as short as short as you possibly can. Just kind of like almost like just pushing it, as opposed to actually throwing it. You're not trying to rip your elbow apart on that. So no, I got a nice cool scar. Uh, you know, yeah. I, I tried that. So I'm I'm trying to learn how to not do that again. You know. So yeah, I'm, I'm fortunate to not have one of those. So no, I don't recommend it. So yeah. that's that's a pretty good one. I think pretty much any kid could you know use that at any age. You know, you really get the control of your scap and then let it let it go from there that's a pretty good one for sure what um i saw you had the protein bottle there you know weight oh, yeah. gain i know uh 
the whole college career. I mean, me and you were roommates last year on the road. So I got to see firsthand, you know, going from 195 pounds up to 208, now up yeah. to 225 and throwing fuel. So like what uh, was that a big emphasis with the twins too was was kind of like, hey, we see you've got all this velocity. I mean, you were up to 93 at, you know, 195, 200 pounds. Were they thinking uh, along the same lines of like, because you talk to me about this all the time was, you know, you can get to 225, that 93 turns into 95, 96, you know, so were they kind of on, on board with that when they drafted you? Yeah, they were definitely on board with me gaining weight. Um, I mean, they didn't, they didn't get to see me my freshman year of college and I was about a buck 65, so that's <laughs> probably good. But um, yeah, I was about, I was around 200 pounds when I got drafted and then ended up getting up, I'm up to 225 now. Um, yeah, you, should, you just got to make sure you do it the right way. You don't just want to, I mean, sit around and just eat all day and just think that like, oh, it worked. I'm 225. Now I can throw hard. But you just got to, you got to go about it the right way, you know, just kind of eating the right things. And uh, yeah, I, I drink a lot of uh, protein shakes after I work out. So, I mean, that's, that's pretty big as well. Yeah, recovery. I think that's the biggest thing that, you know, because especially now that your professional season is so much so much longer than a typical college season, you know, that recovery is, is number one, you know, you got to, especially transitioning from a starter in college on a seven day rotation to a professional five, you know, I feel like um, the recovery has to be, you know, top priority, get your, you throw your game, you know, I'm, I'm guessing you guys have, you know, recovery routines and uh, you know, certain, certain pieces that you got to hit right after the game. So, um, what's your experience kind of like uh, with transitioning from the seven day to, you know, coming down to a five this year? What do you think, uh, what, what have you seen the best that's worked for you? Um, yeah, we were, we were actually, uh, when I was in Elizabethan last year, we were on a six man rotation. So that kind of, it settled us in a little bit to the, uh, to the pro ball kind of atmosphere and stuff like that. Just because like, they didn't want us to throw, they didn't want to throw us in a five man, you know, where I throw on a Sunday and then I go, got to come in and throw on a Friday again. So they wanted to kind of do it like one day a week just to make sure we transition ourselves well enough. They didn't like push us too hard. We were about on 80 pitch pitch count um, throughout that season, just because they, they knew we had a long year at school. I mean, most of us did um, a couple, there were a few guys that were there uh, the year before too. And they were able to stretch out a little bit just because they didn't have a long season just because the season was only about two months. But um, yeah, that's about it. Nice, nice. So, if you had to, if you had to pick a favorite recovery exercise right off the bat from from either one that you've had, you know, you've been using for a while, or or something new that you learned with the twins, um, what would your favorite recovery thing be to do right after a game? Hmm. Um, usually, right after an outing, after I throw about five or six innings, I just let my arm rest for the most part. I don't try to do anything else just because my arm's already, you know, it's feeling like it's pretty tired. You don't want to do too much more with it, obviously. And like, there's like a couple exercises we do, like uh, with the two out with the uh, 32 ounce ball. We do those throws where you're catching right here and, and bring it all the way back down and reverse throw it back up. So we do that, yep. and that's actually that's the only one that they that they actually want us to do after a game, right after we're done. Just because we did we did enough. We threw 80 80 to 90 pitches, threw an extra 25 in the bullpen. You don't, you don't want to do too much else besides that. And then the next day you kind of get into it, even though your arm's still pretty sore. Yep. I was going to say you did your job for that day and, and move on to the next. And that 
I'm sure is the second day. I mean, uh, so you got day zero, you throw your bullpen. I mean, you throw your game. Then day one, is that your lifting day and rec- heavy recovery day? That, is that kind of how that goes? Yeah, that's the big, that's the big lift day. I think, yeah, we usually do a lower body workout after that. We try to stay away from the upper body the day after you throw. Um, I mean, we're kind of like, um, some of our workouts are like full body. So um, that's not, I don't think a lot of organizations are really like that. We like to do a full body workout for almost every workout besides like the one right after we throw in a game. Like we'll usually do like a deadlift or a squat or something like that instead for the big lift. Yep. That's been, I think that's a pretty good method, you know, especially with uh, your body just trying to recover a little bit. You can kind of take your day um, to, you know, let things get back to normal. And then once you're back to normal, your, your arm should be feeling pretty good to where you're stretching it out. You know, I know you're a big long toss, big long toss guy. Um, Do the twins kind of just let you do your thing or is there something that, um, you know, can you speak to a little bit of the long toss and how that's helped you? Um, yeah, it's helped, helped me a lot. Um, I really got into long toss um, after my sophomore season at Hamain. Um, I took the whole summer and just long toss like two or three days a week at least, just kind of trying to air it out as much as I could. And um, I saw a huge velocity increase. I was like 86, 87 my sophomore year, maybe up to 88, 89. And then I went up to, I was averaging 90, 92 the next season. And I, I credit a lot of that to the long toss more than like me trying to put more weight on as yeah so for sure I, I was trying to stretch it out like 300 350 feet just trying to to let it go that's awesome and I know is that the summer that you were in Worcester yeah I was there for two weeks and then I said I think it's time for me to go home and try to get ready for the school season as opposed to you know still pitching in games I had already thrown 70 to 80 innings don't need much more than that so I kind of just came home took a couple weeks off from throwing and then started the, the long toss program. I think that's a big lesson for, for kids that are kind of already gotten their work in at school and they know that, you know, because for you, the, the goal was obviously professional baseball and velocity was the thing that you needed to develop. I think, you know, you definitely can say you did the right thing with, you know, you needed this velocity. And so you, you established, you know, what you needed, you put a program together with a long toss and, you stuck to it and, and look where you are now. So I feel like a lot of kids can take lessons from that. And, you know, if you really know what you need and it's not playing in games and, you know, you know what you need to develop, go ahead and do it. You know, I, th- I think there's a lot of different ways now that uh, people can get work in, you know, with different facilities and coaches that are, um, you know, kind of around the country that, you know, you don't have to necessarily play on a summer team the whole summer to, to get better. So, um, it's cool to see that you had that that you're in that situation and it turned into a, a draft pick you know that's right. pretty awesome yeah and I didn't take that uh I didn't it's not a secret throwing program anyway I, I took it straight off of the jagersports.com website just they have it all scripted out for you and I, I just stayed to that course for I think it was eight weeks it was like an eight-week program just stuck to that and I mean the, the results were there for sure yeah, because I know you came back in the fall lightening it up. So everybody was yeah. kind of like, yo, who, <laughs> what, what is this? What happened? Yeah, yeah. No. And, it, and it was, you know, that was the year that all of a sudden the scouts keep rolling in. And, um, you know, what, what was your, your draft day experience like? You know, I, I know John Wilson with the Twins was up and around a whole lot. But, um, 
you know, take me, take me through the draft day or kind of the process leading up. I think that's the, some of the coolest stories that I've heard so far. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The draft day, it was pretty crazy. I didn't hear from the twins until the morning that they picked me. They, they called me at about nine o'clock in the morning. I was up at uh, my high school about to throw a bullpen. Actually, I was, I was getting ready with my bullpen day. So I said, well, I'm not going to take it off now just because it's just because it's the draft day. I'm going to throw, I'm going to throw my bullpen anyway and get my work in just in case something happens. But um, yeah, he called me as I was about to step on the mound to throw my bullpen. And he said, yeah, we're, we're looking at you. You're, you're pretty high up on the target list for us. Um, just keep your phone on you and we're going to give you a call. And then, so I threw my bullpen, got through it as fast as I could just because I was so anxious and I, I drove home and then uh, flipped the computer on and then uh, started, just started looking at all the draft, everyone that was going, uh, everyone that was getting picked up. Um, got a couple of calls from a couple other teams and, and then eventually, well, I was, I was actually just sitting in my house by myself. Nobody was there. So I'm just sitting there like freaking out. Like, I don't, I don't know when I'm going to get picked. Like I figured it was going to happen like quick. And he called me about 10 minutes before and he's like, yeah, I think we're going to, we're going to try to take you here in the 13th or the 14th. And then I already had um, a promise from another team that they were going to take me in the 16th. So I'm like, okay, well, either way it's going to happen. So um, I was just, I was just happy that something was going to go on. And then eventually about five minutes later, he called me and he said, yeah, you're going to, you're going to be a Minnesota twin. So I'm just sitting in, in my house by myself. I, I called my dad and I'm like, dad, I'm about to get picked right now. And he, he works at the high school. So he, he drove home, ripped in the driveway at about 50 miles an hour. <laughs> and, he's, and he's just like freaking out. And he runs inside and I'm like, yeah, I just got picked. And we were just, we were just so excited. That's got to be the best moment. And some, yeah. Yeah, you'll never forget that. That's so cool. And, and to be on the mat, I would have thrown that bullpen that you're talking about. I would have thrown that as fast as Boswell thrown like yeah. 10 pitches. And all right, I'm going home. Where's the computer? I got, I got through I got through it pretty fast. Yeah. Oh my God. I would have, that would have been the fastest bullpen of my life, especially with my phone would have been turned up to a hundred. I would have been like constantly like the, the amount of text messages I got that day was insane. Like I just had to put my phone down for a little while just cause it was, it was so crazy. Just all like all the support that you get from everyone is just insane. I got, I got texts from everyone that I've basically ever known. It was, it was that wild. That's incredible. Did you, yeah. did your name pop up on the tracker before John called you or? Uh, popped up after like 30 seconds after he called me. That's awesome. Did you, yeah. were you able to get to hear the audio? Oh no, I was actually trying to get the audio on when it, when it happened. Oh, like, I, was, I was just, I was just getting everything set up when it happened. That's I, awesome. saw, I saw it pop up on the draft tracker thing though. That's pretty cool. Cause I was going to say, if you got that audio, I mean that you're going to listen to that for the rest of your life that's <laughs> you should you yeah. should call your scout there and say hey do you have this audio you know <laughs> I should honestly I never even thought of that I was just I was just so happy that it, that it was all over with I mean yeah I mean you're you're on you're in the twins now you got an official right. everything's good right. you're there you don't have to prove it to anybody so um once uh once you kind of got picked up did they, they paid for all the things to bring you down to Fort Myers and then uh you know physicals and and all that and then you're you're officially a, a Minnesota twin. Did have you ever been to to Target Field? Haven't been to Target Field. They sent they sent a few guys like the higher up draft guys like the first. I think it was like the first five rounds. All those guys went to Target Field to sign their deals, and the rest of us went to Fort Myers just because there's more room down there for all of us to to be able to get everything done. So we worked out down there for a week, 
and then we went out to where we got assigned. Cool. That's pretty sweet, man. I, I'm so yeah. like, I was, I was jacked up that day. I was one of the million people that were trying to get a hold of you. And yeah, it was, uh, it was pretty wild. And I was the whole, the whole time I was sitting like watching the tracker and stuff and the America East hadn't had a, a pick yet for, you know, the top 10 rounds. There was nobody, yeah. um, you know, Jeremy Pena was, was the third round the, the year before. And so I was like, all right, you know, Maine's going to have the highest pick. And so I was, I was shuffling through my phone trying to figure out who is it going to be. Yeah. Have you, have you matched up with Ben Anderson yet since, uh, since you guys both got picked? I know he was around before no. or something like that, but. Yeah, no, I haven't matched up with him yet. I think, I don't know where the Rangers are for their rookie ball team, but we had like, we had eight teams in our, our 10 teams in our league in uh, Elizabethan, but yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure where they're located. I haven't, haven't met up with him. Haven't really, haven't seen him. I think he, he won the 12th round, right? To the yeah. Rangers. Yeah, you're right about that. Yeah, I've, have you seen anybody yet that uh, that you've known so far throughout throughout? Uh, I know you've played summer ball and all that sort of thing, but um, I faced I faced uh, Trey Fletcher from uh, from Deering. I think that's where I think that's where he was at high school. Yeah, faced yeah. him a couple times. I tried to throw him a first pitch slider, just because like he hadn't he hadn't really done that well with sliders. I throw him a first pitch slider and he just left center right off the wall. And I'm like. <laughs> All right. Well, I mean, he, he got me on that one. So, uh, yeah, I mean, he, he's a pretty good header. That guy, he's going to be really good. That's awesome. And I also saw videos of him throwing like 90 plus off the mound too. Yeah. I yeah. He's, he's got an arm from the outfield for sure. That's pretty neat. Cause that, you know, everybody was I mean, second rounder to the Cardinals. That was, yeah. that was kind of a, kind of a big deal. So I figured that he would at least go to try to be a hitter first and then, you know, you saw that arm from the outfield. Yeah. So. I think he's going to be pretty You strike him out at least later on? I think I got him once. But, uh, yeah, I, I just remember the first at bat. He had about 105-mile-an-hour line drive off the left center wall. So, <laughs> Did that, so your, your go-to pitch now, the changeup, is, is that what you got him with? Um, I think I got him with a fastball. I got him with a fastball up. Hey, that you you yeah. were the first one really to adopt that you know out of, our, out of our pitching staff at Maine you were you were the first one to be able to really hit those elevated fastballs speak to a little bit of uh how that how that kind of played out for you and and taking that into pro ball I know that's kind of the big thing now is pitching up in the zone so how, how did you kind of get about doing that yeah um to be honest I wasn't like really trying to execute a fastball up that much at Maine it just happened to be my fastball carries up through the zone pretty well. So I'd try to throw in the middle and it'd, it'd go up a little bit and I'd get swings and misses on that. And then when I got picked up and I saw the numbers on the Rapsodo and stuff like that, my, my fastball has a lot of, a lot of good vertical break on it, which is like, it's, it's a weird thing to explain, honestly, because you can't really like see a vertical break on a fastball. So it's just kind of weird. But so my fastball just plays really well up in the zone. So we would throw fastball up first pitch sometimes. Like, oh, oh, hey, we're going to challenge this guy, throw him up. Maybe he'll pop one up or maybe he'll just swing and miss. So I went with that a lot. And then I was able to go to the changeup later. But, um, yeah, the fastball up is where it, it's kind of – it's a, that's where it's at now. You're not really throwing fastballs down at the knees anymore. You're, you're throwing them up for the most part, unless you're like a, a guy that has a good sinker. You're going to keep the ball down most of the time. But for guys that throw fastballs up, you're throwing fastballs up and changeups down and breaking balls down. That's basically – that's basically, basically how it goes. There's your, t there's your tunnel right there. So 
with uh, I understand a little bit of the rap Soto stuff, and I know the Twins are really big on uh, you know pitch design and all the analytics and stuff. So with with vertical break, um, you know, are you looking for? Because I've I've seen anywhere from you know seventeen to twenty inches is is elite, and if you can get over twenty, you're just a god. Yeah. Where where do you fall on that? Um, I'm usually in the seventeen to twenty range. Elite, but um, I've seen. I mean, like seventeen to twenty. I I think it's like pretty average for our organization, to be honest. We have a lot of guys that like to ride the ball up high in the zone, and we don't really have a ton of sinker guys. Like sinker guys are usually like vertical break of like ten or eleven, something like that. And then other guys, you don't really want to be in like the thirteen, fourteen range. If you're in that range, you're it's kind of like a ball that's kind of, you're kind of in between, and it's like it's a little bit easier to hit. But um, I mean, it's not it's not everything for sure. But if you're in like the seventeen to twenty range, you're doing pretty well. And if you're, I've seen fastballs carry at about 24 inches before which is which is just crazy like I don't even know how you hit that that's like a rise ball is what it sounds basically, like yeah it basically is so if you, I bet if you had high spin rate you know something over 2400 spin and a, a more than 20 vertical break you're literally throwing a rise ball it probably looks like yeah, that's that's Justin Verlander to a T and Garrett Cole guys like that they just they run it up they run up at 96, 98, sometimes 100. So I, I don't know how you hit that. My, my spin rate is pretty average, but I, I have a pretty good vertical break on my fastball. It's usually – I think the at average is around 18, 19. That's pretty sweet. The, uh, the spin rate stuff, is that, is that something that um, – you know, I know hitters are, are more aware of it now. Uh, in your organization, do, do the pitchers take a lot of stock in their spin rates? Or are they more looking at the – horizontal vertical movements um for me i'm more i'm more of a movement kind of guy because my fastball my average spin rate is about 2100 maybe 2200 because it's not really something that you can work on that much unless you have a fastball that cuts a lot if you have like pretty true spin efficiency with your with your fastball there's nothing much that you can really do to improve spin rate Unless, I mean, unless you want to decide to throw some pine tar on there. I was going to say, what, a, what about <laughs> that's that's probably, that's thumb your glove? <laughs> yeah, that's the only thing that you could do. I'm not going to say that I do that, but. Um. No, no, no. I wouldn't I, I had a brown glove in college intentionally so that the inside thumb. Right. I, I can give away my stuff. You can't give away yours. I mean, you got a, oh, yeah. a contract and all that stuff. I'm still, I'm still a free agent here. But anyways, back to the spin rate thing. Do you guys, and scouting reports, I know, um, you know, at every level of the minor leagues and college, you know, you have scouting reports. Was there a particular thing that you would try to uh, exploit knowing that you're such a good changeup, or uh, was there anything that you really keyed in on in reports? Um, the biggest thing I keyed in on was first pitch swing percentage. So if a guy's swinging at 40% of first pitches, I'm probably going to throw him a changeup or something, something off speed just to get him off my fastball. I mean, unless he doesn't hit fastballs well, then I'm just going to throw a fastball and hope he puts it in play just uh, hits it weak somewhere. But uh, that's the biggest thing that I looked at. And then we had, we had some like heat maps and stuff that we could look at. So if a guy hits 350 on pitches right down the middle, I mean, obviously you want to stay out of the middle of the plate, but if a guy, uh, that's probably a bad example. So if guys (laughs) hit like, let's say a guy hits 350 to 400 on fastballs in, like up and in something like that. So you probably want to stay low and away for the most part and maybe, maybe go there late when, when you have them back down to like a 0-2-1-2 count. Yep. I think that's pretty sweet. I mean, the, the amount of information that you're going to have, I'm sure is going to continue to grow and grow uh, the higher and higher you climb too. So, um, 
Yeah, and I think you've always done a really good job of pitching to your strengths rather than the hitter's weaknesses. Like, right. especially, um, you know, with you having a, an elite changeup now, the the people could have in the reports like, you know, this left-handed hitter smashes changeups. Like, stay away, stay away. You know, don't throw him a changeup. And I still, at least from what I've seen from you, you still throw changeups to those guys. You know, you you put your best stuff up against theirs and see what happens. So I think that's pretty awesome. Yeah. I mean, if you, if you execute a pitch and you put it exactly where you want to with good movement, they're not going to hit it most of the time. You most have your times. Most you have time. your times where the ball gets hit and you throw the most perfect pitch ever. I mean, you think. I mean, you, you jam a guy with a fastball and he hits a broken bat single over second base. Like, that stuff happens. Yeah, but you like I, that's what I was gonna say was you put your pitch in the where you the spot that you wanted anyways, you got a pretty good chance of them. You know, three out of ten times they're gonna get a hit, but you know, seven out of ten, the pitchers already got their advantage, so you can still throw your change up whenever you want to, all that stuff. So you, you got a ball there. I want to see this grip that you're. Yeah, doing. I do. I have a ball. The secret, the brand new grip here. This is. Yeah, this we is got. We got a new grip here. It's it's a pretty weird grip, to be honest. Um, so I have it right here, and I put my fingers, I'm like right here, and I have these two fingers on the side, right here, just kind of like as a guide. And then I have my thumb directly under, and I use my middle finger more than I do my ring finger. A lot of people like to use their ring finger on changeups, but um, I have this seam right here, and I like to put as much pressure as I possibly can right here. Middle finger. And then on the middle finger and I'm just pressuring the inside of the seam right here as hard as I can. And then I just throw it. I don't worry about really pronation that much. I just worry about throwing it. And if you have that, it's going to come off right here and just have that spin, right? It's going to be about a spin like this. That's about awesome. like, a, about like a two o'clock axis. So this is like a three o'clock right here. Yeah. Right around right here, about a two o'clock. So it has both, has both the vertical and, and horizontal movement that I want. That's pretty – That's what, that was my question was going to be was, is it more a straight down or do you get a little bit of that fade too? Yeah, um, I, it's more – honestly, I think it's kind of a mix of both. Yep. I would rather have it be more vertical just because I can throw it to right-handers too. So it's a pitch that kind of goes straight down as opposed to kind of moving horizontally so much. But it's probably about 10 inches of horizontal. Man, that'll that'll be enough to miss a barrel, that's for sure. And you get some swing and misses yeah. on that. So you got the thumb right underneath, yep. middle finger pressure. Do you try to line it up like you have your middle finger inside of the seam too? Yeah, I put it right on the inside. And at first I was kind of like, I had this finger over here, so I was kind of splitting my fingers. And I didn't really like it that much. So I kind of, I moved this ring finger over right onto the middle of the ball. Yep. Just so I have more fingers on this side. So it's going to slide off my hand a little bit better as opposed to being here and have it kind of maybe come out of my hand this way and cut a little bit. So I put it right in the middle and have it kind of roll off. And I think the thumb positioning is key too, where you kind of, you got these two fingers on the side doing whatever you want them to, but yeah. if the thumb, you know, if the thumb kind of can get out of the way here, it'll keep it in your hand just long enough where you get that, that perfect side spin. Because yeah. that, I mean, we, you've always heard, you know, the perfect backspin fastball of course is what you want. Um, and your changeup, you kind of just take it and, ha you know, if you had perfect side spin, that would be yeah. the most perfect changeup. So if you can try to replicate that, and, and this is more of like stuff for the advanced guys, but, um, you know, just finding a grip and getting the release out of your hand the way that you want it to. I feel like 
uh, once you get the grip, no matter how weird it is, like you, the first thing you said was, oh, this is a pretty weird grip. But it if it works, it works, you know? So Yeah, I learned, yeah, I learned that from my, my pitching coach in Elizabethan. Um, yeah, he, he taught me that grip before. When I got there, I was throwing just the traditional circle change right here. I had the, had the circle down here and had my thumb under. And then I kind of noticed I was started, it started to come out of my head like this. So I was kind of cutting it a little bit. I was still getting swings and misses at times, but I'd run it right into a lefty's barrel once in a while. And that's just, you don't want to, you don't want to change up running into a left-hander. You want it fading. Right, right. Is, uh, did you, were you able to see that on like Edgertronic or anything like that? Or was it kind of just something that, you know, you noticed from Rapsodo or, or what, what kind of tipped you off on that? Um, we used the Rapsodo a lot. We didn't, I don't ever think we got into the Edgertronic with it um, in the season just because we didn't really have access to it there. But, um, yeah, we just kind of looked at the spin axis of it. It's usually around, like, 1.50 to 2 o'clock. I'm hoping I can get it to about, like, a 2.30 axis so it has so it has that horizontal and the vertical. Man, that's awesome. So one more time, it's just thumb underneath. You kind of let, you know, you, you stack up your hand as much on the side here as you can, <laughs> and you kind of let these two outside fingers be the guide. Yeah, I kind of just – I rest just have, have pressure on – these two on the bottom or what's kind of securing it for you um it's kind of like i feel when i when i put the pressure on the middle finger right there i have i feel a lot of pressure on my thumb too because you want you want to be able to you don't want it to really pop out of your hand so you got to have that pressure down there on your thumb as well i like it that's a pretty sweet grip man i i think it could help a lot of people and, and just something to try too because right. change up is in my opinion the best pitch in baseball and uh I ran a poll on, on punch out pitchings Instagram the other day. And yeah, I, I, I voted on that. You voted on that. It was change. Yeah, up. I, I, vote, I voted change up. What you want to like get into your, your reasoning, but you know, I know you have a pretty elite change up, but like what, what was your thought process? If you could pick between the fastest fastball or the nastiest change up, what was, you know, you pick change up. Tell me why. Um, well, the first part is I don't, I don't throw very hard. So I've had, ex I've had experience with it. I've had experience with, with having a pretty good changeup. Um, with, with fastballs, you don't have to throw it the hardest to get the most swings and misses and have the most success out of it. If, you're, if your fastball has really good uh, metrics, has good spin rate, has good carry through the zone, um, could have good sync, could have anything. But um, just having a really – yeah, I'm not big on the 100-mile-hour fastball thing. I'd love to throw it, but um, <laughs> I'm, just, I'm, not, I'm not quite there yet. But um, if I mean, if I could have both, I'd take it. But um, I mean, yeah, for the changeup, it's just so devastating. Because if you can throw a changeup with the same arm speed as your fastball and you can have good movement out of it and it just looks like a fastball the whole way and, and then it just just falls off the table and it's just it's just unhittable. I, I vote in the same way. I'm, I'm leaning yeah. towards changeup. And for the guys that have the fastest fastball and the best changeup, you know, Nolan Ryan. I mean, you're going to be in the Hall of Fame. Like, oh, yeah. For pretty, sure. Pretty good company to talk about throwing 105 and uh, with the devastating changeup. So, I, and I think there's more to be said for, you know, there's ways that we're starting to see people developing velocity. Like, you talked about the Twins had a whole specific camp to develop for velocity. And so, um, you know, there's ways to develop both. And I think pitchers are going to be staying ahead of hitters as far as, development wise and with all sorts of cameras and rap sotos to to design pitches and develop basically whatever you want so 
do you have another pitch that you're kind of looking to develop or what's, what's kind of in the pipeline for you coming up this season? Um, for me, it's throwing a harder slider. Um, my sliders was usually around like 74 to 75. It's about, it was like minus 14 or 15 off of my fastball. And it was just kind of loopy and just something that like I was kind of getting around too much. So yeah, I'm kind of, I'll, I'll give you a little demonstration. I was like here and I was releasing it kind of, I was getting really around it. So recently in my last couple of bullpens, um, I've been trying to just kind of rip off the seam and just kind of let it come off my hand as opposed to trying to manipulate it so much with my wrist and my hand. And I've already seen a velocity increase of five to six miles an hour. That's pretty sweet. And I've even seen people um, in order to try to get a harder slider, they'll almost like take a knuckle grip. Like, you know, you're, um, normally you'd have your both your fingers set up right with it I've even right. seen some guys just bring their finger off it a little bit so that they can have a little bit more to rip on with right. that middle finger so that was something that I kind of experimented with um, was not a full like spike but like kind of in between just so I get my thumb out of the way and rip right. on it because you know uh, are you trying to look for more of that gyro spin where you get this you know more of like a you know, you let the gravity do the work or are you trying to go for like a horizontal slider? What's, what's kind of your, what are you uh, trying to go for with it? No, it being faster, of course, but what else? Um, yeah, I'm looking for more of the horizontal because I have that curveball to go with it. That has the, that's, it's a little slower, but it has the depth yep. and it's, it's good enough. To, it's a straight up and down pitch that I can parallel my fastball up. Um, yeah. So when, when my slider just comes out of my hand right here, it's kind of, it kind of has the gyro spin, but it's still like, it's pretty horizontal. It moves as just what I've seen from like the eye test and stuff like that. Oh, absolutely. Um, you, you can't really trust your eyes that much. But uh, yeah, so yeah, if I already have the curveball, I don't really have to have as much of a, like a depthy slider as opposed to having something horizontal. Exactly. And, and I think too, it's, it's a, you know, developing a tunnel. You know, you said you have your fastball to, to tunnel with your curveball. So uh, it's kind of identifying what you need in your pitches. And it's not just, oh, I need a, I need a slider. Let me develop you know, uh, or I just need a, a knuckleball. I'm going to develop that, you know, like there's actually a, a reason for it, even though um, having 27 different pitches to throw would be pretty sweet, but it's kind of, you know, self-awareness of like, okay, this is what I like to do. And you kind of get to see in pro ball, I'm sure of you get reports on yourself, you know, what you're doing well and, uh, and kind of what your scattering report is more or less. Like what, if you had to give yourself a, a scattering report right now, what, what would you, uh, what would you say? You don't have to rip yourself apart too much. The, oh. reason I, the reason I say this is I have a scouting report from college last year of what Mississippi State had on us. Yep. I was going to compare what you say to uh, what this report said. Oh, so, yeah, trust me, um, you'll have a good laugh over it. Just, just you wait. I, <laughs> so what's your I, remember, I remember seeing that, but I don't, I don't remember what it said. I would say, I mean, I'm a guy that you want to swing early. You want to get uh, – I mean, I'm going to throw you a first-pitch strike most of the time, so um, you better try to hit the first-pitch fastball. Um, I'm going to throw a ton of fastballs. I'm going to throw about 70 80% of the heaters. Um, so just just try to sit on a heater and hit it. And if he gives you an off-speed pitch, then so be it. All right, so here here it is. <laughs> here it is. I'll, po I'll even – I'll try to cut it so that – we can see it on the yeah. final version of this, but it says fastball 89.92. It doesn't list that you have a curveball, so that's that's already a miss. Yeah, uh, 77 to 79 slider, 81 to 82 changeup, 
got uh, 1.25 to 1.45 to the plate. So right. right about, that's about right. Um, and it has your splits versus lefties versus righties. It says lefties are hitting 571 against you. Oh my. Well, they probably were because that was against Florida State. There you go. It kind of ripped me apart. <laughs> and it says you haven't given up a hit to right-handers yet. So Yeah, it's kind, of, it's kind of the opposite now. I'm better against lefties than I am against righties now. It's that changeup. Five numbers. It's the changeup, yeah. I just I threw changeups about, I think it was like 20 to 25% of the time to lefties. And I was only throwing, I think I was throwing like 5, 6% of the time to righties. So that's something that I'm going to work on too, is throwing that changeup to righties too, because you can throw it to either side. Oh, I think that's just unfair. If you can throw a right on right changeup to somebody, yeah, especially I mean, in the like baseball. If I can, if I can get it. That's true. So the command part, you can't really get away with not having command. But the, and the comments on this, you you'll be able to to uh, have a good laugh at this. High three quarter arm action, three pitch mix to left handed hitters, more changeups than sliders. Fastball slider to righties, strike thrower with a high front glove. That's that's a, that's they nailed that one, obviously. <laughs> and they have emphasis on the front glove. It's fastball is firm and works away to both hitters, lefties and righties. Will elevate fastballs with two strikes. Be ready to hit the fastball when he's behind. More off speed when he's ahead. That's. That was the they're college. Not, Co that's college Cody Lorison right there for that, you. That's not bad. It's not much different now, honestly. Just just that I I throw a little bit better the lefties than giving up a five seventy one average. Yeah, well, and I think you've probably given up a hit to a righty. You know. Oh yeah. Oh, I've given up a few hits now. Yeah. <laughs> that's pretty awesome. Is uh, so we talk about you know giving up different splits between righties and lefties. Um, you know, I, I'm going to do this thing on every podcast. If you had to face Mike Trout right now, what's your what's your pitch plan to him, you know, with what um, you've got right here? Well, I'm definitely throwing my first pitch fastball because I know that he doesn't like to swing first pitch. So I'll give I'll try to get ahead 0-1. I mean, hopefully he doesn't swing. I'm going to try to just get a strike in there. Yep. Um, after that, I mean, he's not – he doesn't really have any holes, but – if he were to have one, it'd probably be up in the zone. But um, I'd probably try to – Next, he's just a tough guy to face. See, this is I, think I, I think I'd try to get inside on him on the second pitch and then probably try to go up and in on a fastball second pitch. Yep. Just try to go right at him, try to get ahead. And then after that, probably, I'd probably try to stay away for a couple pitches and hope I get him to swing and miss if I can execute a good slider or maybe throw a changeup like on the plate but down. So, I mean, besides I that, think, I think you could, I think you could strike him out. When you're in big league camp next year, and the Angels, well, I know the Angels are in Arizona, damn. So, oh, yeah. I was gonna set up this. I was gonna, you know, we could look back on this in a year or two when you face <laughs> face the Angels and Mike Trout's in big league camp, but they're in Arizona. So unless you get traded, you know, yeah. maybe well, maybe I'll see him at one point. That, uh, that'd be pretty sweet, you know. <laughs> and we'll have to uh, we'll have to get him on the podcast, you know, to see if see if you know he this pitch plan actually turns out you know but nah. hopefully it works out hopefully it doesn't take me 450 feet to dead center yeah <laughs> that's what the number one thing that i've seen on the internet so far during this quarantine is 450 dead center hmm. yeah so let's just hope this next season coming up we're at whatever level you're at that yeah. some dominican prospect doesn't take you 450 dead center yeah it hasn't happened to me yet. 
I'm lucky. I only gave up a couple homers. That's they they point. weren't cheap. They weren't cheapies either. They were hit pretty well. If you're gonna give it up, you might as well let them be bombs. That's what I always say. Yep. You know, give the sure. checks dig the long ball. So you got to give it up every once in a while. Just, yeah, <laughs> that's true. That's true. You got any Spanish knowledge yet? So you can like chirp back at some of the the people on your team. No, <laughs> I got nothing. <laughs> I honestly, I got nothing at all. We even had Spanish speaking kids on our team in uh, in college, and I even myself, I have very limited to no knowledge of Spanish. So, uh, I mean, I should probably learn it to, to kind of know what they're saying, maybe be able to communicate a little bit better. We got a couple of catchers that are that speak Spanish and they don't speak, they speak very minimal English. So, it's a little bit harder to communicate. One means fastball, two means curveball. As long as they know that, I mean, have there any been instances where it's been tough or you, you've been like, man, I really want to throw this and this or? Yeah. Um, well, I've had to send the pitching coach out a couple of times to, uh, because he speaks both. So to kind of just, I need to tell him what I want to do and he needs to relay it to the catcher. But I usually just tried to wait until in between innings to kind of communicate that. Wow. That, see, that's something I feel like, you know, the average baseball fan or whoever is not going to know that, you know, if you're in the minors or even in the big leagues, I'm sure there's people that don't speak, you know, you, you'd have to communicate with, you know, guys from different languages and all that sort of stuff. Right. And I've got, I've got one final question here before I let you go. Um, for any of the pitchers, you know, back at home, stuck in, inside with the quarantine, I know, you know, you've got a bunch of experience with cold weather. Uh, yeah. If you had to, to leave them with, you know, with one lesson or uh, with one, thing that they can do during the quarantine, what would it be? Whew. Man, that's a, that's a tough one, man. If they have access to anywhere inside, just try to find something to set up and get some throwing in, something like that. But um, at this point, nobody's ever really experienced this before. Um, first time, I mean, I don't think anyone's ever been just quarantined in their house, like the whole country being like this. It's just, it's, it's tough, but um, just try to do anything you can just find. I mean, just like lifting weights, like if you don't have any weights, just try to find something that's like a little bit heavy, maybe to, to just get a workout in somehow try to do a body weight kind of circuit or something like that. I've, I've done a few things. I found some stuff online to, to get workouts in, but besides that, it's kind of just, you got to wait it out and wait till everyone gets freed. And especially with, uh, you know, I'm sure the twins have, have sent a few workouts to follow and um, with throwing programs and all that sort of stuff, you know, you kind of have to, to know what you need. And, um, you know, and I even, there was a reason for asking you this specific question too, because we'll take you back to a time in Starkville, Mississippi, to the night that we traveled for 14 hours wow. a day. I'll, I'll link this, the video along with this. So I was, the whole reason for asking you the quarantine question was, you can always set up a mattress to throw into, and I've got an awesome video. You even see your high front glove, all that stuff. You, it's all in there. So it's a quick. Man, I, for, I forgot about that one too. Yeah, that's a that's that's a memory for sure. <laughs> yeah. So literally the day before we play a top ten team in the country, we've been traveling for a day and a half. It seems like we're chucking baseballs into our mattress and in the courtyard and Starkville. So I'll try to throw that clip in there too, but thank you for being the first guest here. We'll have to have you on again during the season. And uh, I know maybe if there isn't a season or we'll do a live version or I'd love to even do some live at bats or something. I know there's some guys still oh, yeah. 
and in Maine, there's, you know, maybe Trey Fletcher wants to step in for, um, for another at bat. We can get Jeremy Pena, you know, try to, for sure. Sure. That'd be pretty awesome. So thank you for being a part of it and uh, we'll see you again soon. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm looking forward to it.